Welcome to the 134th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. Before they enrolled in the Land Stewardship Project's Farm Beginnings course in 2009, Jason and Julie Montgomery Reese were headed full speed into launching their own farming operation. Before taking the class, both had worked on some of the top produce operations in the region and had saved up money to buy some land. But when they gave their final Farm Beginnings class presentation in early 2010, they laid out a five-year plan that had one foot on the brake pedal. Their plan was to work on a few farms, buy a house in Minneapolis, start a family, sock away more money, and in general put off buying a farm until they were good and ready. Why the delay? Blame it on the farmers and other agricultural professionals who presented during the Farm Beginnings classes. While making it clear that there are many opportunities in agriculture, particularly if one was willing to seek out alternative production and marketing systems and do good business planning, they also shared stories of what happens when one rushes in ill-prepared. Financial ruin, unsustainable stress, even broken marriages. It was through these farmer presenters that Jason and Julie got the message that it was fine to be fired up about a farming career, but allowing that passion to serve as an unguided accelerant can leave one burned out. Since graduating from Farm Beginnings, the couple has maintained important connections to agriculture, so they will be prepared for the day when they do launch their farming operation. For the past few years, Jason has been working as a grower at Wazupi, a farm operation owned and operated by the Shakopee Mwakanen Sioux community in Prior Lake, Minnesota. Julie is working as a school counselor in Minneapolis, and both she and Jason stay in close contact with established farmers in the region. They also network with an informal group of other beginning farmers who live in the Twin Cities. I recently visited Jason and Julie at their South Minneapolis home. While sitting near their urban chicken coop, we talked about the importance of pacing one's entry into farming and the role real-world experience, fellow farmers, and patients can play in making sure the eventual launching of a farm business is successful. Well, uh, we had met earlier in in May of 2009 and then were getting married in October of 2009. Um, and started Farm Beginnings just a, a week before we we were married. And um, so we were kind of on the fast track uh, to moving into our adult life and moving into the career that we really wanted. And then uh, as we took the Farm Beginnings class, uh, we realized that there were a lot of features to farming. It wasn't just... Um, it wasn't just knowing how to put seeds in the soil and, and plant them out in the field and pick them and deliver them, that there were a lot of business dimensions and there was a quality of life dimension um, to this work that we wanted to get right. Um, when we started the business, we wanted to be doing an excellent job, and we also wanted to be excellent at life, and we felt like rushing in would uh, would compromise our ability to do those things well. We had kind of observed and learned that people often pay with money um, for their mistakes very early on in farming so we we wanted to be smart financially as well and uh, and we wanted to have a family um, and thought that starting our family before we were starting this new business um, made a lot of sense for us and hearing the voices of some practiced uh, well-respected farmers who thought that five and ten years of experience wasn't wasn't enough to start their own business uh, those are the some of the things that came about through Farm Beginnings, those discussions. I think, too, I would just add that there there was a relationship piece that kept coming up for 
a number of the speakers at Farm Beginnings, you know, people were losing their marriages over differences um, as they as they farmed together, or, or not really together, but tried to make a business work and make their lives work. And, um, and so there was a lot of, a lot, many voices saying, you know, just make sure that you're, you keep coming back to your values and checking in with each other. And so there was that piece, I think, that we really wanted to pay attention to and cultivate our relationship and our family. And it, it wasn't easy, I will say, when we presented our um, our end of Farm Beginnings plan, the five-year plan, a lot of um, our peers in the class were just sort of shocked and almost frustrated with us. Like, y- y'all should just, just like, go, oh, do it, you, you're ready. You know, and we did have a lot more ex- practical experience than many of our cohort, but um, the bottom line was we just didn't feel right rushing in to farming. I think, and, and as part of that conversation, you uh, you mentioned something. In, I think in 2010, you bought this house here in South Minneapolis, and some people were like, "Oh, wait a minute! I thought you were going to put a down payment down on a farm." But you said, "No, this isn't just some uh, goofy sidetrack we're taking. This is part of that plan a little bit. That this is." I, I thought you made a good point where you're talking about a lot. Every just about everything we're doing is part of that ongoing trajectory. Yeah, um, we saw that we were not able to save a lot or do well holding cash, so we we purchased the house, and so we're holding some of our savings in this property. As foolish as real estate might be right now, um, and it's not the only purchase. Along the way, if we see things that we know we're going to need in the future, we we do buy things now that we know we don't need immediately, but we'll need in, in five, ten years once we do start our business. What appears to some people to be a distraction is uh, a part of a deliberate plan um, for us. And our future in farming, uh, having our own farm business, is a conversation that comes up fairly regularly for Julie and I. Just that the cost of childcare is real. And so if you don't have somebody staying home raising your kids, if you're paying someone to do that, or um, in our case, living in the city um, means that we're just a few miles from my mom, who's a primary caretaker for both our young kids. So that's huge for us, the savings that we're able to sock away um, for the farm in the future. Um, That's real. And, you know, we are eternally grateful for the role that our parents are playing in us achieving our dream. It's not, it's not just us. It really is a community effort. And, and just that other, I think the other challenge of going slow and living in, in the city and working towards the dream is just staying connected to other farmers and, and the community, the growing community, which we've been fortunate to do. Yeah, that was one of the things you guys have been able to kind of meet regularly, you know, informally or formally with a group of people who are kind of in maybe the same boat or maybe in different, uh, on different, uh, different levels of reaching their farming goals. That's kind of interesting. Has that been important to be able to do that? Yeah, I think, you know, we consider Paul and Chris out at Foxtail Farm mentors for us. We worked for them, and we continue to spend time with them whenever we can. Um, Any interns that they've had on their farm we are loosely connected with or enjoy spending some time each year with. Um, And then the folks at Stone's Throw Farm here in the city, they're a varied group. And then we've, we've just been able to meet other folks affiliated with the U of M and just individuals who are interested in growing. So we, I feel very lucky about um, the people 
um, that we're able to talk and share our dreams with and, and share our, our practical life. It's not just a dream. It's not something that is just far off. You know, our chickens are in the backyard. We've got our compost. And, you know, as much as possible, you know, the growing we do here in the city is is just a step towards what we'll be doing in the country at some point. Kind of the, right now, the uh, the other part of that process is, Jason, you're getting quite a bit of experience uh, on the ground right now working with the Wazupi uh, uh, gardening operation. To be working at Wazupi is a tremendous uh, tremendous benefit to me personally. I'm getting to practice um, practice agriculture, um, something that I I really want to do. Obviously, it's a great context to do it and. It's honing my skills as a, as a grower, um, and it's also great to be held responsible and to have to pr- provide a, a product. Um, and I I strive to to provide an excellent uh, product to our customers, um, to community members, employees of the tribe, and and uh, other folks in Scott County and Hennepin County that that are our customers. And and of course, it um, it's a chance for me to to practice what I love and to develop further my skills uh, in this area. Yeah, I, I think that the uh, the growers in the Midwest, and maybe it's true in other parts of the country, but they're tremendously generous with uh, with the information and training that they provide. And that, that dimension of the agricultural community is tremendous. I think in other industries you might not find that much generosity uh, from experts. And uh, I think that the work that um, Nick Olson and Parker Forsell are doing in, in drumming up um, the training for farm beginnings is is tremendous. The those those field days are are worth the, worth the time and worth the twenty bucks that it might cost you, or whatever you're paying for your farm beginnings tuition. We're always always learning in agriculture, and those opportunities are priceless. Julie, I think you had mentioned that it's not just um, when we talk about community sport agriculture, for example, it's not just that community created with with the eaters, the the members of the farm, but it's that community amongst the farmers that's that's really been uh, what's kind of helped make it a more sustainable type model, at least so far. Yeah, you know, I think I haven't really seen community-supported agriculture as much as I've seen customer-supported agriculture. I know that, like, some of that might just be my particular experience at the farms I've worked on, but I... I personally really need intimate relationships and friendships and and close-knit community uh, in order to feel whole. And so sometimes um, what I've seen from the relationship between the customer and the farmer is not necessarily enough sustenance for me. And so those relationships with the farmer, other farmers and other growers, and just sharing in our mistakes, (laughs) what we've learned, um, our wisdom, I think, you know, similar to what Jason said, it's just kind of a collective uh, wisdom moving us, moving the whole movement forward. For more on Farm Beginnings, see www.farmbeginnings.org. Episode 133 of Ear to the Ground featured a discussion with the Wazupi's Lori Watso of the Shakopee, Milwaukee, and Sioux community. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. 
And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening. Thank you.